Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. everyone and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I am a host extraordinaire. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum and I'm here. That's true. So every year, Tech Stuff is known for making wild and inaccurate predictions about what's to come in the following 12 months. And this year is no exception, but it's the first time that Lauren Vogelbaum has ever had the, the honor of participating in our Prediction-O-Rama. And Lauren, because you're brand spanking new to the podcast, you get to go first. Excellent. I have a long history of being inaccurate, so this is going to be great. Um, I think that in 2013, laptops are going to make a comeback and desktops are going to continue to decline in sales. Okay, so uh, your prediction essentially is that laptops are going to be fine, They're actually, which is great news for for companies that are really uh, putting it all in for ultrabooks. Sure. But, yeah, but the, the traditional desktop, the tower and monitor is kind of not so much a thing. Not so much a thing anymore. And, I mean, tablets have been have been really big over the past few years, and everyone's kind of going like, oh, tablets, tablets, tablet sales, more tablets for everybody, seven she, tablets per child. She's doing jazz hands, people. <laughs> it's awesome. Not, not spirit fingers, jazz hands. That's and, true. And uh, I think... I think I think that, that that trend. I think that that really people are not ready to give up laptops yet. They are too functional. I mean, tablets are sexy and cool, but they're toys. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a bold statement. I uh, my hat is off to you, Bubble Bomb. Uh, but no, I, I I agree. I agree. I think uh, particularly these days when you know it used to be that hardcore gamers would look down their nose at laptops and say, you know, nothing replaces a desktop. And and it's still true that if you want a top-of-the-line, highest-performing machine, you're going to go with a desktop. And there are going to be gamers who do that. But there are a lot of gaming laptops out there that are monsters. Monsters, and just as expensive as your your high-end desktop and and just as functional. Yeah, so, so. I, I, I think uh, I'm... 
with you on this one. Uh, the laptop sales bouncing back, it's interesting. You know, based on some of the other predictions we have, I can see that happening. Uh, I'll be really curious to see what the numbers are at the end of the year. Uh, similar to that, uh, I actually have a, a prediction where I said, and this is kind of, this is one of my gimmies. You know, after doing this for a few years, you start going for the easy, the easy <laughs> hits. But one of mine was that mobile web browsing will completely outpace desktop and laptop browsing. So if you were to look at the metrics for any given website, you would see that the majority of traffic was going to come in over mobile devices rather than your traditional computers. And for some websites, that's already true. But I think it's going to become more of, more or less a universal truth across the web. Yeah, I think, I think that's obvious. I think that enough people are, are, yeah, just on their tablets, on their mobile phones. That's yep. not gonna, who has, who has time to turn on a whole computer anymore? I know. It can take upwards of 14 seconds with some of my computers. Ridiculous. I know. All right, so what's your next like one? Like we're not even living in the incredible future. Yeah, where's um, my jetpack? Speaking of the incredible future, touchscreen party, touchscreens for everybody. Um, yeah, I think that especially with Windows 8, um, uh, which Jonathan has some things to say about, yeah. I, I, I have heard. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, everyone's dual screen, if those of us who have dual screens, which is um, people, from yeah. what I understand, yeah. um, it's it's going to be a touch screen. And, and stuff like Windows 8 is going to make that easier and more integrated. And so, so even though perhaps tablets are not going to be the biggest, biggest, biggest thing to ever big, um, yeah. Yeah, well... The technology is going to be there. Beyond the fact that Windows 8 makes it useful, it makes it necessary. I mean, Windows 8 is a, a great operating system. I genuinely like it. I mean, I've used it, and I genuinely like it. However, uh, I much prefer it with something that has a touchscreen interface. Because that's you're, what it's built for. Yeah, when you're in that tiled, when you're in that tiled uh, interface, you want to touch those tiles. I mean, that's why it's designed the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I agree with you. I think we're going to see touchscreens integrated into more products. I mean, obviously, with things like tablets and smartphones, that's the uh, that's the user interface that's accepted at this point. I mean, we've got some voice interaction too, but the majority of our commands are going to be through touch. But I think I, I agree with you. I think we're going to see that as kind of a standard in other products too. I mean, we already have laptops that have touch screens, but I think that's going to become essentially a standard feature in laptops uh, within 2013. And I'm about to. Uh, Head off to the Consumer Electronics Show. I mean, not right now, but <laughs> in the near future. And uh, it would shock me. In fact, I think this episode will air while I'm there. But <laughs> it would shock me <clears throat> if I don't see a ton of laptops that have touchscreens integrated directly into them. It just makes sense. Uh, all right. Well, then here we go. Here's a here's a Windows 8. You were alluding to the fact that I had something to say about it. I think that. Enterprises are going to resist adopting Windows 8 quickly. Uh, I think it's going to be very similar to the way uh, both consumers and enterprises resisted Windows Vista. You know, a lot of them stuck with XP for mm-hmm. a really long time. I mean, that that operating system was 10 years old before a lot of businesses yeah. began to look into migrating to something else. We actually just got onto Windows 7 like a week ago. Yeah, peek behind the, the curtain. Some, so. some people were lucky and had been on it for a while. Not not your tech stuff hosts, no, strangely no, enough. No, no, we, we, um, we were just upgraded from stone tablets to a computer that can run an operating system. And uh, that's just me being catty. But no, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think Windows 7 is – but see, this is another thing. One, I don't think consumers are going to be as reluctant. I think consumers as a whole will be a little more adventurous. And it makes sense because when you're an enterprise, you know, that's a huge expense to upgrade a ton of computers. And although the economy is getting better, it has not gotten so much better that I think that people are going to – yeah, businesses are are really going to want to spend the money and time upgrading from something that that a lot of us have really only just – Started to play with. Started to play with. Yeah, and and there's questions of whether or not uh, all of an enterprise's native uh, uh, programs will run on Windows 8. You never, you know, until you until you migrate stuff, you don't know because there's legacy programs that may only run in earlier versions versions of Windows. I'm sure that some of our listeners are familiar with either 
institutions or companies or organizations that have specific programs that will not run on anything older than Windows XP, for example. Right. So that's that's an issue. On top of that, not only is it expensive to upgrade across a fleet of computers, you also have to train people on how to use it. Right. And that takes time and more money. So even if we were to say that the Windows 8 experience was absolutely perfect for enterprises across the board, even then, this is a gimme because (laughs) most companies are going to say, let's wait a while longer until we can be absolutely certain that we can do business as we are accustomed to doing before we migrate to Windows 8. So this is not a knock against the operating system. It's more of, hey, guess what obvious trend I have noticed since (laughs) I have been alive. So, again, kind of a kind of shooting I've, fish in a barrel. I've been on the internet. I've read the news. Yes, it must be true. <laughs> speaking speaking of things that are that are on the internet. In fact, the Internet of Things. This it, is exciting. This this is really exciting. It, it it basically. I mean, if if you guys if you guys haven't heard of this, it it basically means that all of our devices are going to be connected and talking to each other. Yeah. Um. And which is, I mean, we we can already do most uh, lots of. I'm not going to say most things, many things, a bunch of stuff from our cell phones. But but I but I think that we're going to start getting the kind of functionality where we can interact with our other. Even appliances. I mean, I mean things like 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 security systems and mm-hmm. lighting systems mm-hmm. and and I mean HVAC. Like if you're on vacation and you forget to set your yep. air conditioning down. Thank and you, Nest. <laughs> very basic stuff like that. Yeah, no, we're, we've been seeing little incremental steps toward this, and people who are like the the. Uh, bleeding edge adopters of home automation are probably rolling their eyes. Oh no, of course. I, yes, apologies to all of you guys. This is all completely old hat as of like March for you. Right, but. right. But but for the general public, I mean, home automation is one of those things that like, oh, that's what Bill Gates has. But it's not <laughs> something that you would necessarily think of. Like, I've I've got friends who are. Uh, you know, early adopters. I am not an early adopter. I mean, I'm a I'm a tech stuff host, and I love technology, but I do not adopt technology as soon as it comes out. Mm-hmm. For, Me neither. For I'm a couple like different eight years reasons. behind the curve, yeah. honestly. Uh, one, I'm not filthy rich, and two, <laughs> uh, two, I like my technology to work. And so, while I'm excited by new things, I often don't adopt them because I don't want to deal with the frustration for when those new things don't work out exactly as they were intended. Because sometimes that happens. But over the past few years, we've started to see some some technologies that really are bringing us closer to this. And they're not necessarily all integrated together from the get-go, but they work together. So right. the Nest thermostat is a perfect example. Right? Yes, yes. Or the fact that I have a Nexus 7 tablet and I've got Xbox Smart Glass on my tablet, which lets me control my Xbox from the tablet. It also displays extra information uh, based on whatever happens to be playing on my Xbox, I can get more information, sometimes a lot more information, depending on you know how well the developer has worked with Smart Glass. Right. Um, those are just tiny examples. Now, the true Internet of Things is going to en- uh, encompass way more than that. We're, we'll get to a point where we are going to have sensors that are connected to the Internet, and they are taking measurements of all sorts of stuff. So temperature, humidity, mm-hmm. what motion sensors, all this kind of stuff. And they're going to be incorporated into practically everything we come into contact with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it'll send information and it'll be able to let us not only control our environment, but have our environment predict what it should do based, based upon... Based on what user is in the room. Exactly. Which is, I, I, I used this argument once before... But if you if you were to extend this to the science fiction extreme, right. it essentially means that one day every single person will have the ability to define his or her reality because their environment is going to react to their needs, wants, desires, so that we're all going to be moving through a technologically idealized version of reality. Now... That's not to say everything's going to be awesome, because if you remember every single holodeck episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, you know stuff goes wrong. Sometimes technology doesn't work the way that we want it to. Sometimes Moriarty comes to life, escapes the holodeck, and takes over the Enterprise. That's all I'm saying. 
metaphorically. Luckily, usually Dixon Hill or somebody is around to uh, to take care nice. of this kind of thing. <laughs> See, uh, impressing me, Vogelbaum. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let me let me go ahead and um, uh, let me do another prediction then. Yeah. Uh, here's here's a prediction. So NFC, near field communication. That's the technology that lets us have devices that can talk to each other when you tap them together. Frequently, we talk about it when you have like a cell phone and uh, uh, a program like Google Wallet that sure. lets you pay for stuff. So like there's a, a special uh, pad that's next to a cash register. Mm-hmm. And when you tap your phone to the pad, you just fist bump the pad and yeah. it makes it go. Exactly. Yeah. You've got that's nice. I like that. The fist bump and you pay. And then you've got, you know, the added bonuses of things like. Uh, coupons or customer rewards programs all integrated into that so that, you know, just by paying using that method, mm-hmm. you reap the benefits. So that you don't have to, if you forget your wallet at home, you have your smartphone on you, it doesn't matter right. because A, your, your rewards card and B, your money is with you. Right, right, exactly. And you don't have to keep track of anything. It's all digital. It's awesome. Yay, everyone's happy. Uh, here's the problem. I do not think 2013 is going to be the year where we see NFC widely adopted Yet in the United States, no. Um, it's 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 popular in other parts of the world, sure. But in the United States, we're still seeing a very slow adoption rate to this technology, uh, partly because it does require installing a new kind of infrastructure. Usually, it's not that huge, but for an individual store, oh sure. But if you're talking about a franchise of stores across an entire country, that mounts up pretty quickly. Of course. So, I don't think. Uh, and also the other side of this is that NFC would need to be incorporated into way more handsets yes. for it to become an attractive thing for vendors to support. And uh, and part of the problem is that Apple has not jumped on the NFC train yet. Uh, it may very well be that the next iPhone has NFC. I have not predicted that. It would actually surprise me, but it, it could happen. But without Apple getting on board, I don't think there's quite enough of a tipping point there for us to see NFC getting rolled out on a broad spectrum across the United States. Right. You might see a few stores incorporate it, uh, especially like forward-thinking uh, mm-hmm. stores, but uh, places where it makes sense. But yeah, I think that yeah, there's. I know. I absolutely think you're right. There's going to be enough resistance from enough sectors. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, I would love to see it get further uh, adoption because I would. Not mind it if it meant that I could carry fewer things. Maybe, may, maybe that's a thing that if I do. I, this is not something we had talked about beforehand. But do you think that Apple is going to release a new phone next year? Yeah, yeah. I it's, considering that they released two iPads this past <laughs> year, um, they might release two phones this year. Release no. all the things. Uh, okay, yeah. I, I do. I think I think there will be a new iPhone. I think there has to be a new iPhone. Uh, just like an S or a like a like a 5S or wow. an actual fax. Ooh, holding my feet to the fire mobile <laughs> Um We ask the hard questions at TechStop. Yes, you really do. <laughs> Don't let me off the hook. Uh, <laughs> good question. You know what? I think I think it would be an incremental incremental improvement. The uh, the five I think was about as dramatic a departure as far as design goes as we w- are likely to see this in the this next year. year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got Johnny Ives up there, Sir Johnny. I'm sorry, Sir Johnny. Sir, thank you. Uh, Sir Johnny is uh, definitely, um, you know, he's he's behind the wheel and design, so it could very well be that he completely revamps it, but it would that would shock me. Yeah. So I do think there will be another iPhone. I don't think it'll be a dramatic departure from what we have right now. It'll probably have things like you know, again, a faster processor. Uh, it'll have maybe uh, even maybe an even higher resolution screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll and, and I think a lot of the improvements will come from the iOS side, the the operating system, as opposed to the hardware. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> well, I did not write it down, so <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was all on the fly, folks. Yeah, I'm just gonna hide under the table now. <laughs> well, while we're um, while we're talking about Apple. Um, uh, Let's let's do let's do. I'll do an Apple prediction. Okay. Um, uh, all of my predictions. I'm sorry. I, I wrote everything down very vaguely, so I'm like, I have words. I can read them. Um. Uh. I think that Apple's going to hold on to its market share in the cell phone segment. 
Okay. Uh, which, which, and its market share right at this current moment, as of October, um, uh, Android had been earlier in the year at 63% of the market share right. for smartphones. Um, as of October, it had dropped to 46%, and Apple with the five had, uh, had come up to 48%. Right. And um, and I think I think that Apple's going to maintain that. I'm going to. I it might be. <laughs> I could be completely wrong on this one. I feel like this is a strangely bold statement it for is, something so small. I but I think uh, I think I agree that it's bold. It's a bold <laughs> statement. The reason why I think that is I think those numbers definitely got a huge boost because there was a new iPhone, and every time there's a new iPhone, we're going to see uh, a, a spike in sure. adoption. Um, I think the fact that there are so many handset manufacturers out there that are making Android, although we've got something to say about handset manufacturers yeah. in a little while, um, but because there are so many, uh, Android will probably bounce back. But uh, So I, I'm disagreeing with you a little bit. I think that Android will regain market dominance before uh, before much more time passes in 2013. However... Assuming that an iPhone 6 or 5S or whatever comes out, that's going to change again. Yes. Right? I mean, it, to me, it's incredible that in the United States, where we usually sign two-year agreements, mm-hmm. that people will break them just to get the new iPhone rather than skip a generation and right. wait for a next one. Yeah, or, or even or even wait three months to, yeah. to wait for the next one because yeah. it's here and it's new and it's now. Yeah, it's, it's worse for us Android users, though, folks. I mean, yeah, you you iPhone users, yeah, it's bad because you buy you one and, the, and users. The, yeah, you. I, well, I'm looking at you, Lauren. <laughs> so you iPhone users, and I'm looking at my wife too. Not not literally. <laughs> not literally. She's not. She's not in the room. <laughs> but uh, but you know they they complain about how not they. Okay, some iPhone users complain. <laughs> we'll pick them all together. Some iPhone users complain about. We're all alike. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't. Never mind. So some iPhone users. Complain about the fact that they that a new phone comes out each year, right? Sure. It's like, oh, but I just bought one last year. Okay, look at it from the Android user perspective, where a new phone comes out every week, right? <laughs> so you go out and you buy the newest brand spanking awesome shiny thing, thing. and then uh, something comes out the following week, possibly from the same manufacturer as the one that made <laughs> the one that you bought just now, uh, and it makes it obsolete. And so we live with that day by day. So, look, <laughs> it's not our fault. If you would, if which, you would drink the Kool Aid. Also, then. I wish that we had pop filters in front of these microphones because now I feel really badly about what I just did. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Josh, of stuff you should know because I know this is the one you sit at. Um, all right. So, uh, let me, let me go on to this one. Uh, <laughs> while Lauren recovers. Uh, so I, I said that the next version of the Mac operating system and the next version of iOS will bring the two operating systems even closer together. We've already started to see them start to kind of creep in on each other. Sure. In that, in that awesome but not creepy way creep, right? <laughs> Yeah, most, mostly in just the integrated device and yes. desktop, laptop experience. I think I think we're going to see a continuation of that, but I think it'll be yet another generation before they become practically identical. Right. So, and and this is kind of like Apple is taking a, a an approach that's a little bit different from Microsoft, but the end result is the same, which is that you have an operating system that is easily identifiable across a suite of platforms. Sure. Whether that's a smartphone, a tablet, a uh, or a laptop, or even a desktop. So uh, so Apple's going about it this way where they're just slowly getting closer and closer. Microsoft introduced a new operating system and then just applied it across yeah. the board. They're just like, bam, yeah. flat, gone, two, out there. Two different approaches, but otherwise uh, it's going to the same goal. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. 
Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Lauren, so what's your next prediction? My next prediction, um, so we've got we've got a bunch of next generation consoles coming out next sure. year. We're, we've, we've got uh, rumors that the um, Xbox 720, or Durango as it's currently codenamed, is going to be coming out, and also a PS4. Or the Orbis, as it's currently codenamed. <laughs> um, of course, the, the Wii U already came out this year. Um, or so. the what, as it's codenamed? <laughs> oh, oh. <No. laughs> oh, come on. The sales have not been as good as they had hoped. They they have not, but I I think I don't know. Um, I, I I I do think that it might perk up a little bit for the holiday season, but sure. I'm not. But I'm not sure that people are are prepared for another. Another new console just right this very second, especially when um, Xbox and PS3 prices are so so low. I think I think I think an Xbox owner, as an Xbox owner who's had the Xbox 360 since it debuted, I think a lot of us are really ready for a new console. But I don't know what the new console would have to have to make it a must buy. Right. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because yes, you're going to get faster processors and you're going to get better graphics, but um, and this is said every single time mm-hmm. there's a new console. But really, I mean, you're like, there's a point where you're like, how much better does it need to be? Like for me, the graphics aren't really the reason why you play the game. I play the games. Sure. Right. Now, if it's if the graphics are bad, that's bad. Of course. But but if the graphics are, you know. Are are decent, then I'm like, well, that's that's good. But pretty much, pretty soon, that kind of disappears for me. Every now and then, you you wake up and you're like, whoa, that's a really awesome uh, screen right there. Like I'm yeah. looking at something really amazing. Where oh, the cutscene was really effective. But most of the time, I just it just kind of fades into the background, and I'm really concentrating on gameplay. But um, I don't know. I think there are a lot of gamers out there who might really want to get their hands on a new console, especially for the, the, the PlayStation folks. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think that come next year especially, and I I also don't think that Nintendo is necessarily holding the sector of gaming that are the people who are going to run out and buy something immediately when it's brand new ah, and shiny. Right, right, right. So, so um, it's appealing to people 
who enjoy games, but they aren't, they don't identify themselves necessarily as a gamer in the, more the way. The quote that, unquote casual gamer. Right, right, right. Um, but, uh, but, but so my, my prediction for next year is that, um, Xbox is going to continue to sell more. Okay. Than, than PlayStation. Okay. Um, in, in, in fact, that when the 720 comes out, that it will sell more than the PS4. Okay. And and that that both both of those new consoles are going to cannibalize the best awesome bits of Wii U and just kind of beat the pants off of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Wii I, U. I, I, I want to love you. I love I love that. I love the the screen, pad. The pad. Yeah. It's terrific. I got a chance to play with that before the Wii U came out. Brag a lot. <laughs> Brag much? Um, yeah, I got to play with that at CES 2012, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was yeah no it was a neat way of playing. It made me think of the old Dreamcast where it used to have yeah. uh, the LED memory card that you could play a game on. Except of course, way more advanced. I mean, but still <laughs> same sort of principle that you have this additional screen that can have more information. Like your your heads up display could be on your controller as opposed to the taking up screen landscape. Right. That kind of stuff. Or or Innovative uses, like I think it's Zombie U, where you can use it as like a, a scope. Like you lift oh, up, you lift cool. up the controller I to the seen screen. That. That's great. Yeah, uh, I think it's Zombie U that lets you do that. Listeners, feel free to correct me if I am, <laughs> as I am likely to be, wrong about please, that. Please do tell us how wrong we are. Uh, but but building on top, and I agree. I think I think the Xbox, whatever it's called, will outsell. Whatever the Sony one is called, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be true both for the current generation until we get to the ne- next generation. Oh yeah, and then moving forward, especially in the United States and the in Japan, it's probably going to be the flip flop because we're talking about because just traditionally Sony. that's the way it is. Of course, sure. Um, and just the, just the range of titles that are are released for yeah. American versus Japanese consoles. Yeah, although there's fewer and fewer exclusive titles. I mean, there there are some, but. Uh, like you know, Halo and oh, sure. things like that. But although you can find that on PC as well. Right. But uh, but we also are going to see other consoles jump into competition, and I'm curious to see how this changes things up. Like Valve's Steam Box is yes. likely to debut very in exciting. 2013. Yeah. So the Steam Box can bring uh, PC gaming to the TV, and they've already started laying the groundwork with the 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 big screen. Uh, app that they have right now where you can hook up a computer to your television and use the TV screen as your as your uh, display this would be the steam box would be an out of the box kind of simplified computer uh, so that the average consumer who doesn't want to fiddle with settings or drivers or any of that or stuff. All that PC gaming things that PC gamers adore. Yeah. That or, console gamers are kind of like, mm. Yeah, I just want to hook it up and have it go. Yeah. Make it go. Plug That's, and play. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So I think Steambox is going to appeal to the plug and play gamer. Sure. And the, the big advantage they have is they say, well, yeah, the, these other consoles do stuff well, but this is a gaming PC. It's just a gaming PC made to work on your television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm curious to see how big a dent it can make in the gaming market um, and whether or not it starts taking away market share from the other uh, – the leaders, the, the the legacy consoles. Right, sure. Um, I don't know if it will if it'll really take a chunk out because console gamers can be really devoted to their particular brands. Yeah. Nintendo fanboys. I think <laughs> – um, but then we also have uh, the Ouya, the O U Y A. It's it was a big success story on Kickstarter. Yeah. They had a Kickstarter campaign to raise money. They ended up raising way more money than they needed to be able. Like I, I forget what their goal was, but it was something like you know a hundred something thousand. This is these. This is I'm just talking uh, random numbers here. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was like but it was one of those crazy Kickstarter success stories where you make you know like twenty five times, fifty times, exactly a thousand yeah. times as much as you had yeah, asked you, for. You said like I want a hundred thousand. You get three point five million. <laughs> Well, then I'm going to make it that much more awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Ouya should be debuting as well. And uh, it reminds me more of a simple streaming service. So I'm curious to see how well – and I don't mean that as a knock, but it, that it does seem to be more about uh, downloading games or streaming games to a console as opposed to going out and buying games and then putting them into your console and playing them. Uh, Although how many people are really buying games? I mean, I mean, are – 
Do Have you heard any numbers about how many people are downloading games these days well, versus buying physical discs? I, I don't have the numbers. Anecdotally, I know a lot of people who are starting to do the whole digital thing because they went ahead and bought Xboxes that had those ridiculous, yeah, I've got the ridiculous hard, hard drives. I, yeah, yeah. I don't. See, I have the hard drive that has like two gigabytes of space yeah. on yours, it. Yours goes up to four and mine goes up to ludicrous speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the problem is that I'm actually looking at buying a new hard drive for mine so that I can I can take advantage of that because I know people who do do that. Mm-hmm. And they do it for multiple reasons. One, it means less clutter. They don't have to worry about having a box someplace that's taking up space. Two, it usually means that uh, the load times are decreased significantly because everything's right. on the device already. It doesn't sure. have to read the disk. Um but I don't know the figures. So, but I do expect that that will that number will grow in 2013. It would surprise me if it didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so let's see. We talked about that was that was kind of both of us. Do you want me to go? Let me go again because I think I've got a few more than you do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, uh, here's one. I said that uh, Intel will begin to struggle a bit because, and this is related to something we talked about earlier, because mobile is becoming increasingly important. Uh, and Intel is really in the business of making chips for desktop and laptop computers as well as for larger computers for other purposes. Sure. But, but because – Yes, exactly. But because the, the importance of desktops and laptops is, is declining or at least desktops definitely declining and laptops I think mm, – you said it was going to speed up. I'm back and forth on that one. Sure. But I think Intel is going to see things get a little more tight for it in 2013. And so uh, it would not surprise me to see Intel explore creating something along the lines of ARM-based microprocessors, either licensing out the ARM architecture or building something from the ground up to compete against ARM in a more aggressive way so that it can go after that mobile market. Uh, because right now, if, if the mobile market is what everyone's moving toward, Intel gets left behind. Yeah. Okay. Next turn. That, <laughs> sorry, I don't. I don't have a whole lot to no, say about that one. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go breathe into a paper bag. Which, <laughs> he. <laughs> see, I. I come into this. I'm. All, I'm all like. I get to say ridiculous things. This is so exciting. I, I feel like. I feel like you're genuinely a little bit. I maybe I just haven't gotten the emails yet, so I haven't. I, so I don't know how scary it can be to make these kind of predictions. On not air. at all. It's not you're, scary at all. If you look at my record. <laughs> I'm probably batting around 300, which, you know, in baseball is not so bad. In tech predictions, not great. Um, uh, what else? What else have I got here? Um, uh, oh, another Apple thing. Uh, Apple TV. I think that's going to happen next year. I think that Apple is going to market a television um, yeah. uh, that, that has all kinds of crazy integrated stuff in it. Um, this has been a prediction... I'm glad you're here to make that prediction since Chris is not here because that's that's like Chris's uh, annual prediction is that <laughs> Apple TV will come out. Uh, but I think this year, more than any other, it's likely to happen. Yeah, I think, I think I'm making it from – like I'm saying it. It's a pretty safe bet. That's what basically everyone on the internet is saying is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, well, and well, Tim Cook seems to slowly be going from this is a hobby for us to, to look at, you know, the whole TV space, mm-hmm. to – this is interesting and we're not going to ignore it. And, and, and those, and it's been subtle. It's not been like that dramatic of a change in stance, mm-hmm. but those subtle changes in the way things are worded suggests that this is becoming more and more of an actual thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you this. Just personally, Lauren, mm-hmm. no, no shock here, but, uh, would you, Assuming that you had the budget for it, would you want to get something like an Apple TV yeah. or even a Google TV, like any kind of net connected TV? But specifically, I think Apple and Google would be the two that are the major uh, uh, companies in that space. Sure. Um, if, if it were me, I would probably go for go for uh, Google personally, just because um, it would probably be way cheaper. Um, uh, <laughs> very, enough. very wouldn't, much. I mean, my, it wouldn't be as pretty a TV, though. It would. No, no, it would not. Um, but 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 you'll have to understand that the television that I currently have in my living room has tubes in it. This is. I just heard the internet cry. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I know. You know. You know what I mean, though. No, I do know what you mean. I, I, I vaguely remember TVs that had tubes in. I, it, 
I don't think I even – no, that's not true. I do own one. I just – it's just not plugged into anything. <laughs> but it's 51 inches. So, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sitting in a corner waiting for Samara to come crawling out of it. Um, yeah. And, uh, Mine's on wheels actually. <laughs> It really is. Even that's better. It is. No, no. Enormous rear projection TV. That's that's terrific. Uh, no, no. So, so, so this is. I mean, I'm just that. That is the kind of tech adopter I am. I until until this thing breaks or somebody emails me five thousand dollars, that is what I'm going to use. But um, but if I had the opportunity and the money to, um, I absolutely would want something that connects up to the internet because that's what that's what I use my Xbox for essentially. So if I could kind of integrate that into a single thing, not that I would want to give up my Xbox because Halo is critical. Yeah, no, but. no. There's, let's not talk crazy talk. <laughs> Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But but here's the thing is that any, like, if you get a TV where there's a big company that can make huge deals with various providers, then you get a lot more options than you would through something like Xbox, where, you know, I, I love my Xbox, and I use I use the connectivity stuff all the time. That's how yeah. I access Netflix yeah, me on too. my main TV. I've got a Roku for my other TV, and uh, just name-dropping stuff now, but... <laughs> but but I use I do Brought the same you thing. By. Yeah, <laughs> I do the same thing, and I mean I really enjoy the the services. But uh, yeah, something that's deeply integrated into a television could be really interesting. Now, granted, uh, it, it sometimes worries me too because if it's like a partnership thing where it's an integrated partnership, um, you always have to worry about what happens if one of these entities goes away. But 
that's true of any technology. So it's not yeah. like I can't just point at TVs and say that's the flaw. That's just the way. <laughs> that's just the way things work. Yeah. From HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs> and uh, okay, so here's one of mine. Uh, ebooks and e-publishing will become even more important in 2013, and electronic book sales will uh, completely outpace hard copy books. Yeah. So if you look at the sales figures of books. Um, then the sales figures for electronics are going to uh, to go beyond the sales figures for hard copy books. And for those of us out there who are literature uh, majors, former literature majors like <laughs> myself, this is both English major. Yeah, yeah, sad, but but also kind of awesome. I think it's exciting. I'm I'm kind of in the anti Ray Bradbury camp on that one. I, I I think that it's it's really terrific to be able to have a thing that you can carry with you and download new books to at I, any given point. I agree. I mean, I nothing for me replaces the physical pleasure of holding a book and of reading it. Not. That smell, the feel of the page. You know, it's a the, tactile experience that you're never going to get. Right. Out of a, I mean, even even if you have a really nice, like I've got a like a this gorgeous leather and wood cover for my for my Kindle. Right. And and it's 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 great to hold. I mean, it, it makes you feel like you're holding a book. Yeah. But but but, but on the other hand. Nothing replaces the feeling of being able to carry two volumes of Game of Thrones <laughs> with you on vacation and not throw your back out. So there's so that. yeah, so there's a trade-off, um, and yeah, I mean, especially with the with the sales of the Kindle and the Nook in the past year, yeah, it's a pretty sure bet that everyone has access to it. Sure bets, the only ones I make, Lauren. Yeah. All right, next. <laughs> Do you have any more? I've got I've got a couple more, but I don't uh, know. If I'm I've got I've, I've got a couple more as well. Okay. Um, uh, uh, prediction. Um, uh, medical tech. I yeah. think that this is going to be the year that a great number of people get their genetic sequencing done. Um, and uh, and furthermore, that health records are going to be going digital, and people are going to be interacting more with them, uh, and 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 more with their doctors as a result. I think it's going to be a gorgeous new future of not understanding what your doctor is saying and right. still Googling what, what, what the heck they mean. The nice thing, though, is we might be able to actually read the digital signatures of our doctors. <laughs> it's unlikely. I, I don't even know what this prescription's for. I think, I think they're um, all going to be scrawling on tablets. That part's going to be the same. So. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I hold out hope. Yeah, that, That's the kind of thing that makes handwriting uh, recognition software go, oh, I give up. <laughs> uh, all right, so here, here's one totally unrelated to that. So Zynga... The game company that's been having had a real hard time in 2012. Yeah, it was I mean, a rough year for for all the. Uh, They're the kids who created, of course, Words with Friends, and um, they had the, all the Ville. All games. the Ville games, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Zynga had a meteoric rise, and then an almost as meteoric fall. <laughs> like it just uh, we and we did a whole episode about Zynga, so I, I won't rehash everything. But Zynga's been having some real problems with, uh, you know, maintaining uh, revenues. They've done some layoffs. Uh, a lot of that's been in the news. And one thing I think is a possibility, and, and this is my prediction, is that the board of directors for Zynga very well may explore and then execute a, an option to buy up as much stock as possible to convert Zynga back into a private company. Because as a publicly traded entity, Zynga has to answer to shareholders, and sometimes, sometimes that can be very difficult to do and ensure the long-term success of your company. Because shareholders can, and this is not always the case, but it's often the case, shareholders can ignore long-term growth uh, in order to get short-term benefits. In favor of, yeah, of, of trends or yeah. the immediate. Like they, they just want a, a quick fix, which might in the long term hurt the company rather than watch these slow investments be made so that, you know, they might be the right choices, but it could take two, three years for it to really turn around. For shareholders, that can be a long, long time. Uh, and so, some companies, it, it benefits them to remain a private company because then they can make these decisions and it's a smaller group of, of shareholders and you don't have to worry about uh, catering to everyone's needs. So I think that that's a possibility. We might see Zynga go back to being a private company in 2013. Yeah, I like it. Um, my The last one that I have written down um, is, <laughs> is, is basically a non-prediction. Um, my, my prediction is that nothing will happen 
with HTML5 in 2013. Right. Ta-da! So so just 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 essentially it's a, like a plateau of development. So yes, it's yes. not that not that no one's not going that to Not nothing is going to happen with it. Lots of things are going to be happening. Nothing is going to happen in the public. No one is going to be Right. We're not going to have integrating this, it and adopting it. Yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be finished essentially. Yes. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I mean, uh, there have been some problems with HTML5, and uh, I don't I don't see that changing uh, really in 2013. All right, so I've got a, uh, two more that I want to go over. Um, I had three, but cyber warfare is a gimme, so I'm not going to do that one. Uh, so, so this is one that uh, I, I thought of, and it kind of plays into some of the other stuff we talked about. I think there are going to be some companies that look into – Designing technology that is specifically intended to be a second screen experience, meaning that when we're watching television, that's our primary screen. Uh And then a lot of us, myself included, will have a secondary screen open, whether it's a laptop or a tablet or even a smartphone. We tend, a lot of us tend to have Most of us are multitasking while we are watching TV these days. It's not enough to to watch TV, but... Which means that I can often miss... incredibly important parts of whatever it is I'm watching and then look up and say, where's that guy? What do you mean he's dead? When did he die? What do you mean two minutes ago? Um, This this is why you shouldn't watch during, I'm assuming you're talking about Walking Dead. (laughs) I I was talking about Supernatural, which really one of the, one of the two brothers is, is perpetually spoiler alert, either dead or, or in hell. That's really your two options. Um, or or about to die or about to go to hell. That's, you know, one of those things are definitely happening to one of the two brothers in that show. That show is all Jonathan, by the way. I've not watched any of it. But I enjoy it. This is anyway, a discussion. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, we, we, won't, we won't talk about the documentary series. Supernatural. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think there are going to be companies that make uh, technology specifically with the intent of making it a second screen. Now, a lot of people are using existing technology to do this, and a lot of apps are coming out that are helping out with this. Helping to integrate the two experiences. Yeah, like Smart Glass again. That's another example. Right. But there are other apps out there. I mean, Netflix has apps. I mean, there's there's tons of apps out there. But I think there are going to be companies that say, this is something that people are really interested in. What if we designed from the ground up a product that's intended immediately to be a second screen. And that could take any form factor. I'm not predicting the form factor. I'm not predicting the operating system. (laughs) I'm just saying there's going to be companies out there that say, let's build the definitive second screen because everyone's doing this. So let's make a specialized product. It makes perfect sense to me. If I had the capital, I would totally have gone into that because I'd be like, I can build this company up, sell it to someone else and grave it train, baby. (laughs) So that's my prediction for that. And then, um, my final prediction, this is one that, that uh, I believe Lauren might disagree with me on uh, because of something we said in our pre-show. I said that 2013 is going to mark the peak and then decline and into a plateau of crowdfunding. And uh, uh, crowdfunding, we saw a lot of crowdfunding in 2012. I think 2013 we're going to see even more of it. We're going to see startup companies appeal directly to average citizens saying – this is something – this is an idea I had. So, for example, I might say I have this idea for the perfect second screen device. Yeah. And, uh, but I need starting capital. So I start so up a – Put it up on Kickstarter yeah, or – Yeah, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it up there and then uh, ask for funds. Uh, we've already seen companies like we, – we've seen the Ouya. We saw the, the Pebble smartwatch thing. Lots of tech has come through Kickstarter and uh, received successful funding through it. Uh, some of them we haven't necessarily seen the outcome yet. We're kind of still waiting on it. But I think what's going to happen is we're going to see that continue in 2013, hit a peak, and then I think people are going to start getting a little burnt out by it just from the idea of, well, you know what? I've already funded like five of these things. <laughs> I am done for now. And uh, even if something really cool comes along, I think that people will get burnt out by funding various projects, especially if these projects – are slow to uh, come to completion. Sure. I mean, sure. a lot of this is a lot of this will depend upon how well companies can 
uh, deliver upon on their, their promises. promises. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I think I, I I think people are not done with done with crowdsourcing yet, and I think that um, enough people are excited. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it's right for everything, but I don't think it's going anywhere in 2013. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm currently looking at the at a book project that some web comic artists put together. Um, the uh, To Be or Not to Be that is the adventure, the Choose Your Own Adventure book that Ryan North of Don- Dinosaur Comics okay. put together. Um, does it does it mean you can be Hamlet and not die? Yes. Wow. It means you can be Ophelia and not die. It means you can be Ophelia and like Don't, ride velociraptors. Can you, can, you and, a, can you be Ophelia and get to a nunnery? You, <laughs> I, I can only assume that that's going to be an option. Um, but this, I, they, they 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 had a, a, a twenty thousand dollar goal and have raised half a million at this point. Wow. And and it is it is I mean I, I do think that there's a terrible divide in um, these crowdfunding sources where you're either Amanda Palmer and you make a million dollars right. or you're, you're Jonathan Strickland and your and your project doesn't fund and your project doesn't fund that's, and that's not bitterness by the way I, I truly am not bitter yeah, maybe, maybe maybe this prediction of yours is coming from a place of bitterness and sorrow there, Jonathan it could be I I mean you know everything's subjective right I mean we we view the world through our own individual lenses. And, <laughs> I would like to think I'm objective, but so would everybody else. And we all know that's not true. <laughs> no, I um That's a fair point. I am I am I'm hoping that people will start paying more attention to the people who genuinely need startup capital. I think I, I would really love to see places like Kickstarter revise their contracts, uh, their um their user contracts right. to to make it more possible for the little guy to actually get funding. And maybe um, maybe make it a little harder for Something like Penny Arcade, to, yeah. Because to, I, no, no offense against the Penny Arcade guys. Absolutely none. We love you. Please but, don't kill us. But to use Kickstarter so that you don't have to run ads on your site for a year, based upon what Kickstarter was founded upon, just seems like it's a mismatch, right? Because sure. Kickstarter was really about kickstarting projects. Now. Ultimately, Kickstarter approved that project. So I don't fault the Penny Arcade guys at all. I mean, they, oh, they no. were trying something new and they're trying, and they're trying to reward their, uh, their loyal audience. All of that is awesome. Yeah. It just seemed like Kickstarter was the wrong, uh, tool for the job based upon Kickstarter's founding, found, founding statement. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it just seems to be a disconnect there. So it wasn't that I objected to the fact that they were trying to get away from running ads. I object to using a tool, uh, and I really this really falls again more on Kickstarter than anything else. Using a tool in a way that it was not necessarily intended, or at least the way it was projected out to the public. Right. You know, so that that was the big. Uh, but but I would like to see more uh, grassroots projects yeah. get that kind of funding. And and again, no yeah. slight against the Amanda Palmers and the Penny oh, Arcades in the world. They deserve but, every every bit of success that they have gotten. But you do worry that that might take might lead away. to some kind of burnout, right? And yeah, it could take away from from projects that have no way of making it, right? You know, and there's no avenue of success yeah. for the person who is trying. And it could be that it's something that we would all benefit from, yeah, or at so, least enjoy. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just the the optimist, and Jonathan is the pessimist, and that is what is going on on opposite sides of this table right I, now. I don't think the glass is half full or half empty. I think it's dirty. <laughs> A dirty <laughs> well, I think that wraps that up this discussion. <laughs> so in order to uh, conclude, let's just say uh, we will revisit these predictions at the end of 2013 and see how we did. And uh, Exactly how wrong we were. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you guys can uh, can tune in then and, and hear us keep score. And uh, if you guys have any suggestions for future episode topics, I highly recommend you write us. You can send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. Or you can get in touch with us over Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both those locations is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. 
That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.